0: No, this is going to be the episode where we completely transform evangelicalism. Wow. I'm Jonathan. I can't wait. I'm Jeremy. And we are the Evangelicals. In our last episode, we discussed the kingdom of God via the conversation about the queen dying in England. Right. I remember that. That was good. That was fun. That was fun. That was a great idea, Jeremy. Jeremy. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and so this week, we're we're not necessarily doing a part two, but we are continuing the conversation. While we spent a lot of time last week, I think it would be safe to say, talking about kind of the analogy, like the analogy of kingdom and how we understand that analogy in our own world. Today, we are going to talk about the expanse of the kingdom of God and our understanding of it. Before we do that, I do want to say, the reason that jeremy and i are doing a podcast called the evangelicals is because we are people who understand ourselves to be a part of the evangelical tradition but we think that it's in need of reforming and we think that there are some just uh, overtly political secular godless ideas that have taken hold in our movement and so the reason that we do this podcast is because we really think that there are some truly evangelical ideas in Scripture that are not being lifted up these days in popular evangelicalism. And so our hope is to challenge evangelicals to not leave evangelicalism, not uh, distort it, uh, but to but to reform it in a in a healthy and in a loving way. And so today as we're talking about the kingdom of God, I want you to know that we know, that we're going to be discussing it probably in a little bit different terms than you've talked about it in Sunday school.
1: <laughs> wow, people talk about the kingdom of God in Sunday school.
0: Well, you you just you hear the parables of Jesus, you know. But I don't yeah. know that I don't know that people really. Uh, we we talk about you know we, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Now everybody put your heads down and tell me if you want to ask Jesus into your heart. <laughs> it's like well, that's. That's kind of strange. How did you make that connection? You know yeah, saying?
1: and maybe we focus more on the the parable rather than understanding Jesus was trying to describe what the kingdom was looking at like, so, or looked like because we talk about the mustard seed or we talk about the prodigal son or we talk about, and, and those things are good, but Jesus was trying to describe something maybe bigger using those stories. And I think that's probably why he said, like, some people just aren't going to get it because... They're allowing other narratives, other stories, which I think is happening with even evangelicalism, um, because I think evangelicals is we've allowed other narratives and other stories to set the agenda and the tone for who we are as Christians, rather than the understanding that Jesus gave us about what it looks like to live for His kingdom um, above everything else.
0: Yes. So I think that it would also be helpful for us at the, be, at the beginning of just this conversation to talk about, to kind of answer the question, what was Jesus doing? What was the point of Jesus's ministry? And there are a lot of things that people talk about as the point of Jesus's ministry. I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, if you think I'm wrong, I would say the most popular evangelical idea of the point of Jesus's life was some sort of atonement. Oh, absolutely. To atone for sin. Absolutely. So the point of living was just to die. Right. To be sacrificed. And so much
1: so that we don't focus on his life as much as we do on his death and resurrection. And I think what we've failed to see is that they all connect. And that because of how he lived, it led to the cross, which led to the empty tomb. But we have divorced his life. And because I think a lot of times we don't like what he said, if we're just being honest and what it means for how I need to live, but I love the fact that he died for my sins and what that means for me, what I, what we've said means for me at
0: the end of my life yes. rather than what it means for the present part the of my eternal life. eternal destiny rather than the, the present one. Absolutely. So I think that it would be helpful then to also just, do, just talk a little bit about the context in which Jesus came and the early church was birthed. Jesus was not a Christian, and Jesus did not come in any sense proclaiming A new religion. Jesus came as a reformer, as a rabbi within Judaism. His goal was not to start the church. Which is—that's a controversial statement, there, Jeremy. Do you want to? I don't. I don't disagree with you, but I'm—I'm just siding with everyone that was just offended (laughs) out there. I'm putting my arm around. If you feel—if you feel hurt by what Jeremy just said, just feel my (laughs) arm around
1: you right now. Just you know. I think that um, I think it goes back to Genesis 12 that the goal was always blessed to be a blessing, and that's where I was going to go next. <laughs>
0: yes, so I
1: think that it was not to start a new thing as much as it was to help Israel live into the original intent of who God wanted them to be the whole time, and they decided they wanted to do it their own way. They decided they want to wanted to try to set. The um agenda and so then you have all these political parties, like I think four major ones that that j- decided.
0: You're saying in Jesus' day,
1: four major. Absolutely. But parties. it came out of an understanding of what the, how they viewed the Old Testament. It didn't just happen like when Jesus showed up, they were already present, I guess, when he arrived on the scene. Can I can I read the passage
0: that you just referenced? Sure. Would that be okay? I guess. Just, I mean, I, s- I guess it's all right to read the Bible. <laughs> but I th- I think that you're right. So the, the call we don't talk jeremy just said go back to abraham he says go back to genesis 12 and you may be thinking what's genesis 12 so it's the call of abraham is what jeremy was referencing the lord said to abram before his name was changed the lord said to abraham abram go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that i will show you i will make of you a great nation and i will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing i will bless those who bless you. And the ones who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed.
1: Yeah, that's the point.
0: The whole point the
1: of whole the calling. Point. Exactly right. And even in Acts, when when the you know Pentecost happens, they're still not even called the church. They're called the way. And, and you know, I think that that verbiage came later and i think we've turned that word into something that that once again it was more about the gathering of the people that was the community of people who are trying to to follow the way the truth and the life who jesus is and we've turned it more into an institutional understanding about how you know we have polity and we have all of these things i'm not saying those things are bad but i don't know that that the original group who came out of the upper room and started forming these communities had a, a denominational understanding about how we should structure ourselves and, I, and live I, and breathe.
0: I completely agree with you. One of the revelations in one of my first years of Greek in undergrad was that recognition that ecclesia, the word ecclesia, has two definitions: assembly and church. And so, we choose to insert church. And when we think, church, when I think church, I think you know, multi-thousand square foot building. That's what I think. Right. When I hear the word church, but if you're reading in Greek, you don't get the privilege of knowing church building or group of people. They're the same th- they're just it's the same word. Meeting in houses, meeting they didn't have a, a
1: a place. Yes. And and so once again, not saying that our denominations are inherently bad, but I just think that, that if we're really trying to understand What Jesus was about. And I think Jesus tried to lay it out pretty clearly for us where he said, when two or three are gathered, I am there in the midst. When he looked at the woman in the well and says, one day you're not going to worship at the temple or you're not going to worship on this mountain. All my worshipers will worship me in spirit and truth. And so once again, it's not to say that the church as we currently have it is bad, but I think when we're talking about the bigger understanding of the kingdom of God, we have to understand that the point of why Jesus came and lived and breathed and and did what he did was to point us in the right direction of what god was trying to do the whole time but people didn't didn't have a concrete example of what that was supposed to look like to be the follower of the kingdom and be a part of the kingdom and so jesus was the example who also made a way for us to not have to go to the temple and sacrifice anymore and made a way for us that death was no longer the end for us and so, if you just take pieces of Jesus's life, like just the cross and what he did there, without understanding that his life is just as important, because it helps us understand the cross better and the empty tomb better, um, I think you get a fractured understanding about the whole thing. I guess. Did, did that? Uh, do you still need to put your arm around people, or no, no, is no, that? That was, is,
0: that was that was very that was very well said. Uh, I I think that was very helpful. I I think about. So, so Jesus, so Jesus came to, ref, he came to reform Judaism, you know, uh, essentially when I think that for me, one of the most central moments of the gospel is when Jesus goes into the temple and he's very, very angry and he drives out the money changers, uh, the lenders, the, um, people who are selling sacrifices because so, so when the temple was built and we, you can find this in Chronicles when the temple was built. Uh, God said to Solomon this is to be a place where people from all nations can come and meet with me and worship me and you're not to put any obstacle between those people from other nations that would come to worship me again the temple the very temple was to be a site where God's presence could be known by all nations there was to be no discrimination people from all over the world were to be able to come into the Jewish temple and pray and the reason that Jesus is so angry at the temple is that the Jews had had made us had made a system where they would so you know if you came from Ethiopia they would they would give you an exorbitant exchange rate for your Ethiopian money and they would sell you they would tell you that particular sacrifices were the only thing that were accepted and you had to buy them there in Jerusalem which is just this terrible economic system of and you
1: could only go so far in the temple yes you weren't welcomed into there was a hierarchy or a caste system or a, yes. a, a levels and and
0: Jesus is like, this is not what this was supposed to be. So, and so what's, then what's awesome. So he drives, he drives out the money changers and ticks off all the religious people in Jerusalem. But what's amazing is then Matthew's gospel also says, like, this is, this is just so crazy. So he drives out the money changers. They get really mad at him. Well, and then when he dies at the cro- he dies on the cross in this divide way that the holy that the um curtain that had been the religious curtain that had put men put up in the holy of holies matthew's gospel says was torn in two from top to bottom so like jesus kind of got the last word yeah. he's like you know what you're gonna kick me out of your and me, me. whatever you guys <laughs> like and he just like the, the the curtain tears in two from top to bottom essentially like releasing the presence of god from this religious space into the world. I mean, it is so crazy that it's as if Jesus is coming to say to, and and the thing is, he says this in conversation too. He says it to the Pharisees. Do you not know, uh, is it Jesus or John, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. This is a part of the call of repentance in the New Testament, is this idea that the Jews thought that because of their lineage, because of their biology, they were a part of you know, God's kingdom just inherently. And the message of repentance, the call of repentance in the New Testament is, hey, you shouldn't feel really secure because of your lineage or your heritage or because of your parents' faith. Um, but God is going to raise up people. He's going to raise up children from Abraham from places that you don't expect. And so in some ways, Jesus, in proclaiming the kingdom of God, Came to de-religionize religion, and I don't know that we like really want to think about that or consider that.
1: Can I give a few more uh, temple allusions and, oh, give it, and imagery? Give us, and because I think this is give it to this us. is unbelievable. So. I think I've said it, uh, we're going through Revelation and we're getting to the end, which um, is all the heaven language um, and and it's just, it's awesome. And so something that, that, uh, that I've been working through that just kind of was a, an aha moment for me, I guess you might say, and we're not going to look at this this Sunday, but the next one, when it's describing um, the new heaven and the new earth in Revelation 21, it says that um, it's a cube, which you might think big deal um but there's only one other time in the bible that a structure or something is mentioned that is a cube and it's the holy of holies it's the only thing in the whole bible that when it's describing what it looks like it's a cube so i think what john's doing is Because that, that's the earth, is the city, the new Jerusalem is a cube-like shape. And I think what John is trying to get us to understand, and all nations are there and there's healing of the nations, like everybody's welcomed, is when God's kingdom is set up, um, it is the most holy place. And I think what John is doing is it's a callback to an understanding of Genesis chapter 1 that the whole point was that the earth was actually the temple of the Lord. The earth, uh, the whole earth is filled with his glory, as some Psalms say and Isaiah 6 says. And, and so I think what John is trying to do in the end is like, hey, it's a cube, people. The, the, this, this new Jerusalem is a cube, which is in an Israelite's understanding, a Jewish understanding, was the most holy place where heaven and earth met like this was the place where heaven and earth were one was in this Holy of Holies, which was in the middle of the temple, which is a callback to God was dwelling with people. And that's the whole point to begin with is God wants to tabernacle with people. God wants to be with people. God wants to dwell with people. And we make our Christian journey about all the things that we're going to get in the end. And 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 I wish what we did more and what we talked about more was the fact that no matter what it looks like, like Jesus is gonna be there, like God's gonna be there, and and God's presence is going to be there, and we're gonna dwell with God once again. And 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 I and I, I wish we talked about that more mm-hmm. than I'm gonna go fishing and I'm gonna have this cottage and I'm gonna have like we 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 turn the end into all the things that I like and want to do eternal indulgence. Yeah. Rather than what is going to make it. Heaven is not what the city is made of, but the fact that we get to dwell with the one who created it, which was the point in the very beginning of God. And when John talks about in John one that Jesus tabernacled among us, and it's these Old Testament understanding of tabernacle, and that's where it's all about heaven and earth becoming one. And I wish once again that we would get more excited about that than what we think we're gonna be walking on or what the gates look like or what the... And, and I think John's like, why are you focused like... That, that's not even the point about what this whole thing is to
0: be about to begin with. So I, I study you know, the history of Christianity and I, I live my, my life right now kind of intellectually in, in the history books and I teach on Islam. Uh, for my intro to religion course that I teach at the University of Dayton, you know, in, uh, in descriptive ways. Uh, the greatest compliment that I've ever received as a teacher actually came from a Muslim who sat in my class, and he said to me after the class, hey, I just want you to know I really appreciated the way that you talked about my religion. So I, I, I'm I, just saying that to say, like, I have done some significant study in Islam because I want to be able to present it, you know, and and one of the things that I have realized, and the the Catholic Church recognized this in Nostra Aetate in the 1960s when they wrote their document about their relationship to other world religions, is that Christians have been terrible to Muslims throughout the years. Mm. and Vice versa, vice versa. I mean, oh, sure, some people sure. are like, some people are listening to this podcast, they're like, do you remember September 11th? I'm like, yes, I, I do. I also would say that there are many Muslims that would say, you know, in the same way that Probably some Christians would not like to think that the people who committed the atrocities at the insurrection at the Capitol were Christians, even though many people would call them Christians. There are many Muslims that would like to say the people that flew those planes into the towers were not truly Muslims because, you know, anyway, okay, that's a different conversation. But the thing about Islam is that Islam is a religion that begins formally in the 7th century in an area that is somewhat neglected by Christianity so Christianity from Jerusalem essentially moves fourteen hundred kilometers to the north and the west to Byzantium by the time, like by the seventh century, right? But fourteen hundred kilometers to the south and the east, there is this man who receives a revelation that he claims to be from God. That the problem is that people are disunified. And that they're worshiping various gods. And he says that there is one God, and this one God is to be worshipped in Mecca, where, at a cube, mm. at a cube, yeah. and that cube is the Kaaba. And, you know, I, again, I'm not, I'm not prescribing Islam. I'm just, descri- I'm, I'm not prescribing it. I'm just describing it. Okay, that's all I'm doing right now. Uh, so I've, I've read the, also the work of Malcolm X who Malcolm X, in the 1960s, refused Christianity because he called it the white man's religion. Mm. And he was discriminated against by people who called themselves Christians. And so he, I mean, this is uh, what, um, uh, who oh, who is the guy who has the famous line, uh, the greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Brayden Jesus. Manning. Yeah, he, Br- uh, Malcolm X essentially, his, his rejection of Christianity is exactly what Brendan Manning said, is he rejects Christianity because of the way that Christians made him feel in the 1960s. Well, so what happens is Malcolm X, he joins this radical Islamic group and is kind of violent and he's gnarly and, you know, people don't like him. Well, he gets an invitation to go to Mecca and he goes to Mecca and in Mecca, Uh, During the Hajj, during the pilgrimage, he goes goes to Mecca and he sees people from nationalities of all over the world, Mm. different colors, different races, coming to worship the one God around this cube. And everything about Malcolm X changes in that moment. He becomes convinced that peace is the only way. He becomes convinced that unity is the only way. He becomes convinced that the, the true testament of one who worships the one God is a commitment to a, the oneness of humanity. Now, some of you are listening to this, and you may be thinking to yourself, like, this is, you know, New Age nonsense. This, you know, you guys are not evangelicals. Again, I'm not prescribing. I'm just describing. And what I think that is interesting is, you know, Jeremy talks about the cube that's in our Bible, but there actually is a place in the world where there's actually a cube where people come every year to worship the one God. And quite honestly, Jeremy, my perspective of the kingdom of God is so limited that I don't know that I would be open to even believing that those people are worshiping anything other than a box, you know?
1: So for all of you who can't see us, which is none of you, I'm putting my arm around you who maybe you think Jonathan has stepped outside the box and um, is talking about how Muslims are all right and worshiping the one true God. But just know that that's not, I don't think whats actually being talked about right now. Um, I think what, uh, as I've studied once again, this revelation 21 where John's describing the city, this new Jerusalem as a cube is something that, that really struck me Is he is uh, a lot of people are saying that in that time, when people thought about what the perfect city would be like and what rome was aspiring to or trying to get to like this was the image that john is saying the new jerusalem the kingdom of god is it's 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 better than you could ever hope or ever imagine i think that um as you were talking about that and something that really is is continuing to sink into my own heart and my own life is is I feel like we, um, as evangelicals, and this is going to be, I'm going to say it, and then I'll try to describe what I mean. I think we're more Gnostic in our understanding of how the world works than we are um, biblical in our understanding
0: about how the world and the kingdom works. I agree with you, but I think you should explain it.
1: So Gnosticism is this understanding that that, that God exists, but He is not involved with the everyday of what's happening in our midst. He's kind of uh, set apart, is how I would describe it. You feel like that's fair to, to talk? And the material world is bad, and there's a spiritual world that's there's, good. There's
0: kind of a distant goodness that the goal of life would be to escape this physical, finite, limited, dirty, terrible reality and get get into the other. And
1: within each of us, like, and this probably leans more into Plato. Um, there's a, a good spirit that's encapsulated in this evil body, and the goal is to escape to this spiritual goodness. Um, and but, but I, I'm, I think when when Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God and this understanding of once again, the cube and this callback to Genesis one that, that the whole earth is filled with the glory of God, is is there there is this dualistic understanding of material bad spiritual good doesn't seem to be present. So I think when we're thinking about the kingdom of God and, and, or the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus calls it sometimes, um, that there's this actual thin line in our very midst that the kingdom of God is actually amongst us or in our midst. And we, Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. I mean, very, very much so. Once again, I think Jesus says things pretty plainly, and we just seem to look past. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not blaming Jesus on this one. I, I think he, he kind of laid it out for us. Um, but I think that, that that it's not this, like, what's going to happen in the end, but we are a part of bringing, as Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done yes. on earth as it is in heaven that, the, that the, the distance between where we are and where God is is probably not as much of an expanse or a gap as potentially we have just talked about in our past. Yeah. And that the kingdom that Jesus says is in your midst or it's near or it's among you or it's happening now in me, that, that he was um, ushering in the fullness of what that could look like. Now, um, you know, N.T. Wright and some others have said we live in the now and the not yet. And so, there, I do believe there is going to be a moment, a time, when we see what that kingdom looks like in its fullness. But I don't know that the the gap and the separation that we have put between where we are and what we think is going to happen in the end is as far of a, a distance or understanding. I don't think Jesus talked about it in such ways. Hence the ripping of the curtain of the temple yeah. of the Holy of Holies. He's like, no, it's here. Like this right. is, this is it. Um, and so when John's describing all of this, he uses language like um, on the 12 wo- or the four walls are the, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel mm-hmm. on the gates are the 12 apostles, the name of the apostles. And so it's not necessarily even that, that one day Jesus, like we're going to get rid of all but it's more of an understanding of we'll see fully what was true the whole time, even in our midst, and 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 true in the understanding of how God created this whole thing to be, and who how what He's wanted it to be the whole time, and and once again, the whole goal I think is 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 dwelling with Him, that that we are blessed to be a blessing, that it's not about. Um, how much we can acquire, how much we can attain, how much we can be a part of. And, and I think too, uh, and maybe this is a different thought, but I feel like it's the same as I feel like we've taken one verse in the book of Romans that if you believe in, in Jesus, then you'll be saved. And I, I, I am not knocking that verse or saying that verse is untrue, but we've made following Jesus a belief. And as long as you believe that Jesus is the son of God, then you'll be saved. And but I think there's a verse somewhere. I can't, you know, I don't know chapter and verse. But it says even the demons believe that Jesus is who He says He is, um, and shudder, and shudder. And so it, there's, there's, I feel like there's just got to be more than just once again having the right dogma, and I believe dogma is important, or having the right belief, and I think beliefs important. That there's something to actually living and being who Jesus has called us to be. And that when we do that, we are participating in the kingdom that is now um, and, and, and will one day be fully realized. But we are bringing the, the, the end is rushing into the present. When we choose to, um, to, to put into practice and to live and to bear fruit uh, or to be salt and light, um, we are are living out the prayer
0: on earth as it is in heaven i don't know that that's very helpful so a big maybe the the problem of the new testament the the issue that caused a majority of the epistles if not all of them is the question of how how does this thing that begins in judaism how does it transfer into a gentile pagan world and so i mean as we get you know this is where we get the letters to the corinthians This is where we get the letter to the Galatians. You know, uh, Galatians is about uh, there's these Judaizers trying to make uh, the people in Galatia more Jewish than Paul feels like they need to. You know, they're even asking the question about circumcising adults. You know, doesn't sound very fun. Nope. (laughs) You talk about nope. Talk about your membership uh, question. Whoa, whoa! This just got very uncomfortable. (laughs) Might have to click the explicit button this week on the Evangelicals podcast. So, way more uncomfortable questions yeah. than.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah when yeah,
1: did yeah. you visit a guy in
0: prison? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Can I get the prison question? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. All right. You're so, hoping. Okay. You're let's hoping. Get... What was I talking about, Jeremy? Sorry. Oh, the, okay. So, the question one of the the major question of the New Testament is how does this kingdom. Who begins which begins in Judaism in Jesus, how does it, what's the relationship to the rest of the world? And really the question, the question is very much in conversation with what Jeremy referenced, the Genesis 12 passage, where God says to Abram, All nations are going to be blessed through you. You know, and I I feel like in evangelicalism. So we're a podcast that talks of two. North American Evangelicals. You're our audience. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not a North American Evangelical, you're more than welcome to listen, but there are some idiosyncrasies that are within the fold that maybe you not, might not, you know, get or understand. But in evangelicalism, particularly North American evangelicalism, we really have this syndrome of concern for, you know, those who are kind of inside and outside and we distinguish, you know, particularly in North America, we understand ourselves to be you know the chosen people of god in a very dynamic way there's i i have an entire shelf on my bookshelf uh just uh, full of books um like the light and the glory reforming the world um god's god's new israel like these we we a redeemer nation we have this idea in christianity in america that somehow the promise that jesus that jesus gave to the kingdom in this little town in Judea that now we are the ultimate fulfillment of it in North America and God has blessed us in some way, you know, kind of damned everybody else or it's our role to get everybody the American blessing, you know, in other places of the world. But the thing is... And our
1: politicians have capitalized on some of that language to... Oh, for
0: sure. City on a hill and... Yes, 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 yes. Uh, very much so. Um, And we're not just talking one side of the aisle. Oh, right. We're talking like Donald Trump and Barack Obama. Like both of them. Right. Like so regardless of where you are on the spectrum, people we're using that we are using this because people because po- our politicians realize how powerful the imagery is. Right. Everybody wants to be a part of the Christian city on a hill, you know? Yeah. And so but 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 the thing is I I want to think for a second about the expanse of the kingdom of God because there are people all over the world that, have ex- that, that claim to have experienced a revelation, hmm. that claim to have experienced a closeness and an intimacy with God. There are people all over the world who, like, I'm going back to Islam here, who, like Muhammad, claim to have received a revelation from God that is transformative of their life, that calls them to, to purity, to holiness, and to worship of one God. You know, and I, the the older I get and the more, the more um, people that I, that I meet and the more I study the scriptures and I study the history of the world, I really actually believe that God is concerned for all nations hmm. just as much as he's concerned for me. Hmm. This is just like a conviction that I'm continually growing in and I'm finding that not only do I need to be concerned for all nations in a compassionate way, but I'm realizing, I don't know that many of us in evangelicalism realize this. Did you know that other countries are starting to send missionaries and have been sending missionaries for some time to the United States of America because they're convinced that evangelicals in North America are not getting the job done? And you know what? They're right. <laughs> yeah, can I, can I bring it even more home?
1: Um, something I find so intriguing... And this is where, once again, the word evangelical has failed a lot of people, and they're choosing to to run away from it. Is is unfortunately, it has become an understanding of a voting block in our country, and because of that, it most often represents the white church when you talk about evangelicals. But guess there, there's a whole lot of other, like the African American church is not under the umbrella in our country in the, in the media when we talk about evangelicals, because they talk about how's the evangelical going to vote, but then how's the black church going to vote? And I'm thinking, aren't we all representing the
0: same Jesus? Yeah. Evangelicals. Catholics should be evangelicals. Yeah. Like everybody, like the, the good news bearers. Like so the evangelicals, evangelicals
1: <laughs> most often vote conservative, but the black church votes more democratic. It's so sad. And yet, aren't we all like? I, it's just interesting because and so i think that's why a lot of people are like i'm done with the term because of what it has come to me yes and it's shouldn't like, we yeah. if it is for all nations all tribes we can't even do that in our own country to to so identify um all those who are following after jesus is evangelical and if that's true shouldn't the white church lean into the African American church a little bit and think, "How? Why do you read the Bible that way? Could we learn something from those people that causes you to vote a certain way? That that we might learn." And and I think, um, I you know I don't have any hardcore stats in front of me, but traditionally the African American church votes their religion religious beliefs more than even. The white evangelical church um, their their religious convictions is what they would say cause them to vote the way they do whereas uh, a white evangelical it potentially is about judges or it's a, you know it's about other things about the military about and, and not once again saying what's important what isn't important but we want to say yes jesus died for all the nations but we have even trouble just in our own country understanding that all people who claim Jesus should fall under the umbrella of what it means to be an evangelical.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I think that you bring up a, a significant problem of Christianity in North America, um, particularly that people in the world, they don't see evangelicals as really the image bearers of Christ. But it's they, not the good news yeah they they see us as kind of a political arm and one of the one of the things that that Jesus I mean he says to his disciples the world will know that you're my disciples by how you love one another and one of the things that he prays for his church is that they would be one as him and the father are one and the fact of the matter is we're not one we're very divided and we're not our trademark in the world is not love hmm. you know it's it's differentiation hmm. you know we are we like the first century jews have set up systems of insiders and outsiders we just have mm-hmm. and the thing is i'm not like pointing fingers at everybody who's listening to this podcast and saying it's you guys it's me like right. i'm in the system that i'm pointing my finger at you know and the the point of this podcast today really has been for us to have a conversation about the expanse of the kingdom of God, but maybe also to motivate in your own thinking, for those of you who are listening, you know, how are you limiting the possibility of how God might work in the world by how you have a limited perception of the kingdom of God? And I would argue that none of us has a comprehensive view of the kingdom of God. I think it would be impossible. I think it's beyond our comprehension in many senses. But Jesus gave us a lot of clues that we might live into it. Yeah. And I think
1: part of that is every morning you wake up is to remember that that there's people on the other side of the world who aren't in our current specific context and who are living and breathing what the kingdom looks like in their context. And it has nothing to do with wow. with what laws are being passed or not passed, but it has everything to do with Am I being a neighbor to the person that, that I come in contact with? Yeah. And, and we might do better and we might actually win a few more to the cause of the kingdom. Um, if once again, and maybe we mentioned it on a previous podcast that rather than judging and, um, cause it, scripture is very clear that that doesn't really help a whole lot. People don't repent when they're, they're, they're being judged. Um, but there is something to to call in them to the life that jesus um calls all of us to that we should be living and that they will know who we are by our love one for another not by uh what we believe or, or may not believe yeah amen
0: the evangelicals podcast is recorded at lima community church of the nazarene in lima ohio